What is up, guys? Welcome to the Pirate's Den Podcast. We are back for a very special episode. This is the Halloween Spectacular. Halloweener Spectacular. Yeah. Uh, today in the podcast, we have Casey back with us. Hello. Jesus Ooh, Christ. Yeah. Sorry. Don't mind me. <laughs> <laughs> loud oh, yeah. noises. Like a little loud yeah. there. No, it was Trevor moving his microphone. You heard his springs in his arm. Hey, eventually I'll get something better. Fuck are you. But yeah, so we have Casey here today again. Um, we All three of us were fairly excited for this, um, this podcast. Uh, we're going to be telling scary stories or spooky stories or, I don't know, Halloween-themed stories. Halloween episode. Or, Halloween episode stories. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and give the floor here to Trevor. Um, this will be our only episode where we're going to have background music in it because I'm going to find a royalty-free kind of scary music Spoopy. thing, and it will be quietly playing in the background. Try and give some ambience to you guys. So Trevor, without further ado, take the floor. All right. I've got a story called eyeless jack and it goes hello my name is mitch i'm here to tell you guys about an experience i had i don't know if it was paranormal or what whatever stupid words people use to describe supernatural phenomena but after that thing visited me i believe in that paranormal trash now a week after i moved in with my brother edwin after my house was foreclosed i finished unpacking Edwin liked the idea of moving in since we had not seen each other for 10 years. I was so excited. Uh, I I soon fell asleep after I moved in. After that first week, I heard rustling noises coming from outside at about 1 in the morning. I thought it was a raccoon, so I had ignored it and tried to fall asleep. The next morning, I told Edwin about it, and he agreed. The next night, however, I thought I had heard my window opening and a loud thump, as if something entered my room. I darted up and looked around my room, but I saw nothing. The next morning, Edwin dropped his cup of coffee when he saw me. He held up a nearby uh, mirror and I saw myself. I had a large gash in my left cheek. After I rushed to the hospital, my doctor told me that I must have been sleepwalking, but then he showed me something that made me my blood turn cold. He lifted up my shirt and revealed a sewn incision where my kidneys were. I stared into his eyes. Mirror, uh, mine widened. You somehow lost your left kidney last night, my doctor told me. We didn't know how, though. Sorry, Mitch. Uh, The next night was my breaking point. Around midnight, I woke up and to see a truly horrifying sight. It was a uh, it was a cheese and crackers. I was staring face to face with a creature with a black hoodie, dark blue mask with no nose or mouth staring down at me. The thing that scared me the most was that it had no eyes, just empty, black sockets. The creature also had some black substance dripping from its sockets. I grabbed a camera from my nearby mantle and took a picture. 
Immediately after taking the shot, the creature lunged at me and tried to claw open my chest to get to my lungs. I stopped it by kicking it in the face. As I ran out of my room, I grabbed my wallet. I would need the uh, bleh, I would need the money. I ran out of my brother's house into the night. I eventually ended up in the woods near Edwin's house and tripped on a rock. I fell unconscious and woke up in the hospital. My doctor, the same one who treated me before, entered the room. He says, I have good news and bad news, Mitch, my doctor said, st started. The good news is that you had minor injuries and your parents are going to pick you up. I sighed with relief. The bad news is that your brother has been killed by some thing. Sorry. My parents took me back to Edwin's house to collect my remaining belongings, which I did. Upon entering my room, I was scared, but remained calm. I gl grabbed my camera and then stopped dead in my tracks. In the hallway leading to my room, I saw Edwin's body and something lying next to it. I retrieved it up and entered my parents' card, not mentioning Edwin's corpse. I looked at the thing I had picked up and nearly vomited. I was holding a half stolen oh I was holding my half my stolen half kidney with some black, black substance in it. And I believe that is it. So moral of the story he killed his brother, I guess? No oh, jeez. I mean speaking of missing kidneys, kidding. I have something that is, you know, kind of like that, but different, but we'll save that for Did later. you you want to save that one for later? <laughs> yeah, let, let's save it for later. It's you guys' podcast. Okay. You go ahead and go first. I'm a guest here. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell two. Right, uh, Trevor, did you want to tell another one or? I was just thinking of like a story, a piece, like like splitting them up. Okay, because um, it's a lot I'll, of reading. I'll do two stories just because mine are short. Like the two stories I will read will be just about as long as the one you just read. Oh. Uh, Okay. Um. So this one is called "The Writing on the Wall," and it is by Eraldingen. I can't say this guy's name. Um, I will put it in the description on the podcast. I'm going to give credit where credit is due for these stories. So this again, this story is called "The Writing on the Wall." A young boy lay asleep in his bed when he heard footsteps outside his room. He peeked out of his eyes to see what was happening when his door swung open to reveal a murderer carrying the corpse, corpses of his parents. After silently propping them up on the chair, he wrote something on the wall in the blood of the dead bodies. He then hid under the child's bed. The child got scared beyond belief. He couldn't read the writing on the wall, and he knew the man was under his bed. But like any child, he pretended to be asleep, as if he hadn't woken up at all. He lay still as the, he had, he lay as still as the bodies, quietly hearing the breaths from under his bed. An hour passed, and his eyes got adjusted to the darkness. He tried to make out the words, but struggled. He gasped when he finally read out the sentence. I know you're awake. He read as he felt something shift from underneath his bed. So that again was the writing on the wall. Uh, second story I have is called Blurry 
and this is by this is a user submission on this website that I'm on. It's blurry by that one cricket. I got my first pair of glasses last week. My parents didn't think I needed them at first, but the doctor said that there was something wrong with more than just my eyes, and that was apparently pretty common, and that I needed some specially prescribed glasses. For my own good, the doctor had said. He said that many people were never given the chance to see the way I could, so I was lucky, lucky to get them. I thought he meant cars and faraway words would become less blurry, but over the span of a couple days, many more things became more clear. I started seeing nightmare creatures all around. I'd never seen them before, like in the corners of my room and in darkened parking lots. I took off my glasses for the first time today, and let me just say it was amazing how quickly these demons and creatures turn into trees and shadows again. I know I'm not seeing the truth, but I'm a simple person. I took off my glasses for the remainder of my life because I'd rather see these blurry images just the way everyone else sees them. I was going to say that sounds like a horror story for somebody who suffers from astigmatism. Or, yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, so from what I'm getting, it's he had the glasses. I don't know. I'm not going to any sense. Maybe the glasses, from what I get, the glasses were like a paranormal lens. Uh, so instead of seeing trees and shadows, he was seeing demons and creatures and so he took his glasses off so he, he could see, see the world just like everybody else as it was interesting very but those are my two stories um both of these are actually these are the two stories i read were created by people they're not um like published works by any means but i will credit the writers for these stories in the description below if you want to give them a read that's how most creepypasta stuff comes up though like it'll start on places like reddit and like that's yeah. how things like slender man or jeff the killer or like the skinwalker and all that shit started yep yep as far as i know yeah yeah all right casey you have the floor here okay i'm i was going to tell something a little different um what should I do? Should I tell the legend of Uncle Bob the Ball Snatcher, or should I go straight to what I was <laughs> originally going to do? We can end with Uncle Bob the Ball Snatcher. <laughs> okay, I guess. Ending so. with Bob, Uncle Bob. All right. <laughs> Stay tuned for that one. All right. So this is one that I did find on the Creepypasta wiki, and I found this um, around Halloween last year. And I, I remember reading it in my bed, and I got kind of creeped out because um, you guys know me. Like I'm huge into horror games. We play horror games together a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure you've, you've heard me say on multiple occasions that I would never play with a Ouija board ever, right? Yes. Yep. Nope. Yep. Fuck that. Mm -mm. Nope. I thought about it today, and if I had the choice to either do this or play with a Ouija board, I would probably play with a Ouija board. Okay. Ooh. So, that That's being amazing. said, have you ever heard of something called the Three Kings Ritual before? Some people call it a game. Some people call it a straight-up ritual. This came up as a, a story that somebody did on Reddit back in, like, 2012. And 
for whatever reason, I just stumbled across it last year, and I just remembered it today. I have never heard of that. Yeah, so this is going to be totally new to me. So I'm just going to kind of like brush over it. Like there's some ingredients that you need. There's some stuff that you need to do it. And then there's certain times when you have to do things. Okay. And it says that if you do it correctly, then you could get in touch with what is called the shadow side, which I'm assuming is talking to demons or evil spirits, I would imagine. Right. It says... Don't do it if you've had any drugs or alcohol the night of the event, or even within like the last couple days, or if you're not feeling well, spiritually stable, or even if you're doing it just to um, just to escape or just for fun, it says you're going to have a bad time. Don't do it. So here's what you need to do it. You need a large and a quiet, empty room, preferably without windows. If they exist, then you need to be able to cover them up so you can ensure that you're in total darkness. It says basements usually work well if they're roomy enough. Next thing you're going to need is a pack of candles. You'll only use one of them if all goes well, and a lighter. You need a bucket of water, and you need a mug. You need an electric fan. You need two large mirrors, like the ones you'd have in your bedroom. You need three chairs, an alarm clock, an active cell phone that is fully charged, and somebody that you really trust who is willing to go through this with you. Last thing that you need is an item that is of great value to you, like something from your childhood or whatever maybe it's a teddy bear or something so for the setup and this is this is my question i'm going to ask at the end would you rather do this or mess with a ouija board so it says start the setup around 11 p.m you'll place one chair in the center of the room facing north this is important place the other two chairs exactly to the left and exactly to the right facing you you are sitting at the throne is what it's called the distance between your throne and that of your queen and fool the other two chairs uh, should be about the length of your arm from each side more or less place the two large mirrors on the queen and fool chairs to the left and right of you facing you and each other at the same time if you do it right if you stare straight ahead of yourself you should be you know just staring into dark or staring into nothing however you should be able to see your reflection in your peripherals without moving your head or moving your eyes hmm. if it's okay. set up correctly Next thing you want to do is you want to place a bucket of water in front of you and the mug in front of you, just barely out of reach. You want to place the fan behind you and turn it on. Don't set it to maximum power. Medium or low is usually enough. Leave it on. That's important. Leave it on. Next thing you'll do is turn off the lights and leave the door open. Don't shut the door. Leave the door open and go to your bedroom. Set everything else, the candles, your lighter, your alarm clock, your cell phone, whatever. Leave it charging. That's important. Set your clock for 3.30 in the morning. Turn off your lights and hold your power object while you get some rest. Your valuable object, right? Yeah, your valuable object. Uh, okay. So it says, wake up exactly at 3.30 a.m. with your alarm clock. Turn it off, but don't turn on the light because you're going to have exactly three minutes to light your candle, grab your cell phone, and make your way to the dark room and sit on your throne. You should be seated by 3.33 a.m. Don't forget your power object, and you need to check for potential red flags. If your cell phone didn't charge for whatever reason, if the alarm doesn't go off exactly at 3.30, abort. If you find the door to the dark room that you chose closed, remember you left it open, abort. If the fan is turned off, abort. And it says if any of these things go wrong, it says you have time, but grab your jacket, leave your house. You can oh. come back after 6 a.m. But it says get out of there quick for whatever reason x y and z 
Okay. So if, if all is going <laughs> as planned, go ahead and proceed to your throne, they call it. And it emphasizes this, which is going to be really hard. It says, do not look directly at either of the two mirrors beside you and do not let the candle go out. The fan is a fail-safe. So if you were to move or slouch over, the, um, the fan would blow out your candle and essentially... Okay. Let's see, where was okay. I? It says, look straight ahead in the darkness, not at the candle, not at the mirrors, just straight ahead. And uh, it also mentions that, well, during setup, we didn't specify which uh, chair was the queen and which one was the fool. That's because it's your job to find out. And from their point of view, you could either be their queen or their fool, too. Hence the name, the Three Kings. There are some horror stories about this and people trying this on YouTube. Some are good, some are not. They could be all fake. But essentially, you have an hour. You have until, uh, let's see, 4.34 in the morning to ask whoever it is that shows up any question that you want. It says, prepare to have a question answered with a question. Prepare to get tempted to do something, but you are to sit right there and not look at anything. Until 4 a.m. Until 4.34. Until it's all over. It does say that, well, yeah, it's okay to tremble a little bit, but try not to, because that doesn't affect the ritual. I already explained what the candle was for. So here's your backup in case something goes wrong here. Now, whatever happens there, like while you're sitting there for that hour, we can leave that to the imagination. There's a, a lot of other stories like on Reddit and on YouTube about it. So, um, let's see, not to stutter here. Uh, your candle is back, is back up number one. The fan will blow out your candle if you were to fall over or something like that. Uh, your loved one is back up uh, number two, so you're supposed to tell them at 4.34 to yell your name and see if you respond. If you don't respond, then they're supposed to come into the room, not touch you, take the bucket of... Or no, 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 before that. If they, if they call your name and you don't answer, they call you. And if you don't answer, then they can come in the room, not touch you, and pouring the water over you will essentially pull bring you, you out of it. Will pull you out of it. Hmm. That's. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I w I'd want to do that. <laughs> they said it, whoever shows up, they're supposed to have like infinite knowledge. But uh, you can ask them any question you want. It just said, be prepared to be uh, have your question answered with a question. Be prepared to get answers that you don't necessarily want. But once you sit down in there, you can't leave for that entire hour. Damn. Or they don't know what happens to you. And that's why you have those fail safes so your friend can bring you out of it. Pull you out. Yeah. That is the Three Kings ritual. Huh interesting so that being said question would you rather do that or mess with a ouija board uh, i would i would do i would do a ouija board before i did that yeah that's kind of what i thought too to be honest a ouija board's so, easier because there's not as much setup but at the same time like because i like from what i've understood like when you start messing with Ouija boards like that soul is going to start following you like if they if there's something that came it's going to start following you and I feel like with the other one maybe that might not happen I don't know 
That's just my opinion. Yeah, there's, I guess there's quite a few creepypastas about people who are actually um, trying to perform that, and that's why some people call it a ritual, because of, like, everything that you're setting up. Yeah, that's a, it's a big... That's a big setup, especially, like, you have to start it at 11, get it all set up, go to bed, wake up at 3.30 on yep. the dot. Like, that... Uh, I mean, if you think about it, you're going to be sleep-deprived. So you're going to be sitting there in a chair with a lit candle. Your brain's going to be sitting there, like, halfway asleep and shit, like... And you got to stare straight ahead of yourself, so you'll probably start to get tunnel vision in the dark. It's like, don't you think your peripheral vision is going to fuck with you at least a little bit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your your own mind would start fucking with you. Or, on the flip side, we can just go to Barnes & Noble, because you can buy a Ouija board ages 8 and up. Welcome to America. (laughs) 21 to buy alcohol, 8 to summon demons. That's that's the thing is Hasbro, the original Ouija board that um, the the Oracle that knows all that was mass produced originally by Hasbro. I have a hard I have a hard time imagining (laughs) that that is an actual link to to demonic things like it could be. Yes, I understand it could be, but I would have more that and that and something like that is so easy easily manipulated by other people this other thing that you just explained if you're alone in the house and things like that happen you have well, you no one to turn to but yourself to be alone you don't have to be alone you can have a loved one they just can't be in the room with you while it's going on no that's part of the setup the part of the setup requires you to have somebody outside the room just yeah to- in case shit hits the fan, like they can bring you back. That's why all of those fail safes are in place. So like you end up being okay. Cause I mean, could you like, imagine right. you're like, like it's going on and you're just sitting there in the chair tweaking out going. <laughs> like, but you're in this, you're in that you're alone in that room, right? There's no other way anybody could really mess with anything in there. We, while you're in that room. Yeah. It's just so you you're, in there. You are, you are talking to something and I'm not much of a religious person, but the devil knows what you want to hear, and he will tell you lies. If if the devil is real, that's exactly what he would do. He would tell you exactly what you want to hear. True. Well, so. Lucifer will always try and grant you what you want. Right. But with so, I, I, and I'm and I'm not and I'm not like spiritual by any means, but if if that stuff does exist, then where else do you have to turn to but the Bible to mm. <laughs> say, hey, hey, this is, yeah. So I I would mess with the Ouija board, something that was mass produced as a children's game, before I did something that would, I'd be in before a lonely room a, com- communing a with the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I thought you guys would find that interesting. And I started thinking about it, and I'm like, if I was actually about to do that, I would trip myself out. Even if, like, if I had somebody with me, like, I would be tripped out to do that. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's, a, that's a lot of setup. Like, I mean, just doing the setup alone is going to sit there and mess with your mind because you're going to go to sleep and then wake up. You're like, holy shit, am I actually going to do this? If you and then, sleep. Like, yeah, and then you have to sit there for a whole hour, not do anything, just stare at the wall. Like, yeah. Mm. 
Like there was um, like Tori and I were we were listening to somebody on YouTube who said that they tried the ritual, and I get it. Like creepy pastas, they're like stuff on Reddit. They're user submitted. They could very well be easily made up and manipulated let, and everything. Let, let's be honest, yeah. most of them probably are. But this dude was saying that uh, he had shoot, I can't, I can't remember which one was on his left or on his right, but apparently there was someone talking out of the mirror on the left side and was trying to get him to look into the mirror and he refused the entire time. Oh, damn. Like, the entire time, trying to get him to look in the left mirror, trying to get him to look in the left mirror, and then eventually the mirror on the right side was like, yeah, maybe you, like, you're kind of an idiot, blah, blah, blah. So he was the fool to them. And um, right as I guess right as he was about to cave in or something like that, um, the person that he had outside the room poured water on his head and he woke up on the ground. Jeez. Huh. Yeah. No. I I'd miss the Ouija board, definitely, because <laughs> like like I said, you can go out and buy a Ouija board ages six to ten or six to eight or whatever. I mean, with you evil know. stuff like that, it only it can only really bother you if you invite it in. Right. right. I well, feel like I feel like doing that ritual you were inviting it in, playing with the Ouija board. The, if you well, go in a Ouija board knowing is the same you're playing thing, a game. Though. No, if you go in knowing you're playing a game and not trying to So one of one of the rituals you were trying to commune with the spirit. One of the other one with the Ouija board, you are um you could either take it as I'm playing a game to fuck with my friends or you can take it as communing with spirits, and I would play it as a joke and a game. That's like the mm-hmm. whole point of a Ouija board is to talk to somebody who's dead, though. Yeah, no, I would... Nope. Fuck Ouija boards. Can I just uh, play video games like Phasmophobia instead? Yeah, yeah that's uh, fine. Like, I'm totally okay with playing Phasmophobia, but I will never, ever fuck with a Ouija board in real life. Mm-mm. Well, here's what's going to happen. Zach's going to get really excited about Halloween, and he's going to go to Barnes & Noble, and he's like, here's this Hasbro motherfucker, and he's just going to pick it up and buy it, and he's going to leave it out for, like, the crew Halloween party or something like that, and then we're going to be playing Phasmophobia, and he's going to go for the spirit box, as he always does, and he's going to so say, give me a sign, and then that motherfucker's going to start moving. Yeah. And, then Zach, and then Zach's done. <laughs> Zach's like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Tori, Tori, Tori's gonna find Tori's gonna find the Ouija board, and she's gonna start asking her questions. And my Ouija board's gonna start moving, and I'll be like, "Okay, let, we're done with this now." <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll go to burn it, and it just keeps popping back up. Like, oh, yeah. This is exactly what I didn't want to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna take a little detour here. I'm gonna tell. Oh, actually, you know, Trevor, you're next. Or do you mind if I step in and tell this really short? little story here you can tell a short story you're good okay i don't know how true this is but it's something that my mom told me when i was young and it's always scared me of ouija boards my grandma when my mom was eight or nine years old my grandma got together with her friends and played the ouija board i don't know my mom doesn't know if they were actually trying to communicate with anybody or just seeing if it would work they had no one specific in mind, but they played with it and they had some weird things happen. Some like dishes fall off the counter that were way like so far on the counter that they would take something to push them off for them to fall off. And so they stopped playing with it. And um, my grandma got 
so freaked out, she threw the Ouija board away. Well, after trash came the next day, trash came, and it was two days later, the Ouija board was sitting, uh, two days after the trash came, the Ouija board was sitting on top of the trash can, the dumpster can. Perfectly fine. The little triangle sitting on it and everything on the um, on the goodbye thing that says, you know, goodbye. It was sitting on goodbye. Um, grandma, my grandma got freaked out. She ended up burning it and putting the ashes in the garbage can. Well, a few days later, it's another, it could have been a different Ouija board. Someone could have been playing a practical joke on her, but it was sitting on the counter in the kitchen where the dishes had been pushed off the counter. One, nope, of your, one of your siblings is like, hey, these motherfuckers are like eight bucks at Barnes and Noble. Let's mess with <laughs> grandma. Right. And so I don't, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if, and you know, my, my mom did have siblings that were jokester, jokesters, right? She had a younger sister, those a jokester and two and three older brothers that liked playing jokes. So it could have easily been a joke, but ever since then, my mom has been terrified and she won't watch movies that have anything to do with Ouija boards like the mention of Ouija board she leaves the room so I don't know I it's always scared me off of them wouldn't that be messed up if like all this time like how many years has it been they actually did do it as a practical joke and they never came clean to her and so she's still freaked out about it they never <laughs> came clean because they were scared they were gonna get in trouble get their ass oh, beat with that and then the, that and then to top that joke off one of the worst things to do would be right now my my grandma's in a in an old folks home right now and she sleeps a lot well and it's only one visitor is allowed at a time because of covid restrictions she wakes up and there's a ouija board sitting on her bedside table that wouldn't even be a joke at that point that would just be cruel yeah it would and my grandma she's got dementia too so yeah you know that would be bad yeah no that would be like grounds for an ass kicking yeah and my grandma would do it. She would get out of her bed all sickly and everything and whoop her kids' asses. All right, Trevor. Oof. You have the floor. Tell us something scary. One minute. I'm in the middle of doing something. Almost done. Uh, do you want me to go ahead and just tell one? Uh, no, I got it. Okay. Okay. Uh, so this one's kind of a little bit longer than the one I had before. So this one is called Nine Rules for the Night Shift on Halloween Night at the Cemetery. Oh, come on. Cemetery. Cemetery. This this is a long one. That's a long one. It says it's only nine minutes. Okay, go ahead. Tell them. Um, okay. So it starts out. Uh... You sure you have all the rules memorized, my boss said, as he gathered his belongings to go home. Yeah, sure thing. I've got them all up here, I said as I pointed to my head. He gave me a nod and headed out the door of the small office to go home. My boss was uh, a little off, to say the least. Uh, This was my first month as a security guard at the centenary, whatever, fuck it, the graveyard. I'm just going to say graveyard. Um, right around the corner from my residence and I had just gotten out of college about three months ago 
the last month of shifts have been boring, sitting around, checking cameras, doing rounds through the graveyard, making sure nothing is out of order. Exciting, right? I needed a source of income, and it was the best paying job I can find. No real experience needed, the flyer said. My take is that they were desperate to find someone fast, so I took advantage of that. I was hired that day that I had found the flyer. Over the phone, I had never even found out the guy's name. Um, once I came in on my first day, my boss gave me no training, no to-do and don'ts, just verbal list of nine rules I had to f follow and memorize before Halloween night. These rules are to be followed only on Halloween night, he said. You must follow these rules to the exact way that they are told to you. If you mess up even a small part, well, you won't mess up. Because I trust that you will follow them word for word. I looked at him, confused, because this sounded almost like a threat. Nevertheless, I put out my phone and started an audio recording so he could record the list. Once he finished telling me the rules, I was in absolute disbelief. This guy's insane. No wonder nobody wants to work here. This guy is actually insane. I thought to myself, I know there every place has certain rules to follow, but to designate it as to designate a set of rules is insane rule is insane. And for Halloween night only, I guess you won't know how I felt until I tell you the rules that they gave me word for word exactly how he told me straight from the recording rule number one on halloween night please arrive at 8 30 p.m no earlier no later do not walk in these doors until it reach reaches 8 30 for the love of god please rule number two stay inside the office until 9 15 do not leave keep yourself occupied do not check the security cameras during this time. Make sure you turn them off before you get there, so there is no temptation to peek at them. This might be one of the most important rules. If, you, if the monitors turn on by itself, do not look either. If for some reason you look and you see it has revealed to you a section of the uh, graveyard, you must turn off the lights in the office and hide. If it reveals to you the A or B section, you look at it, your only option is to run. Good luck with this. To make this easier, just cover the monitor with a jacket or blanket because it won't, uh, because you will not want to see what happens out there this time on Halloween night. Rule number three. After 9.15 strikes, you will have 30 seconds to get out of the office. Leave the door unlocked. It is possible you will pass an unnatural tall figure with no facial features. This is not a Halloween costume, and you must tell him good evening and look him right where his eyes would be. If he doesn't respond, continue on your way to patrol the graveyard. If he says anything at all, you must stand completely still do not move a muscle he might walk around you but if you keep still until he does he will walk away with no problem go to the office and he will slam the door behind 
Oh, he will go to the office and slam the door behind him. Rule number four, you will make your way to section A. Once you inspect section A, you will realize the gravestone titled James R. Hackney to be dug up completely. This is not out of the ordinary. Do not, and I mean, do not pay any attention to what is inside the six-foot hole in the ground. Uh, You will see the rest of your shift if you look down in that hole. Just keep walking to section B and do not look back. Rule number five. As you cross the bridge from section A to B, you will notice about a dozen shadow-like features figures standing around in a circle around the big oak tree to the left of the bridge. Please listen closely to what I am about to say. You must find the figure wearing the black top hat. You will walk up behind him and ask, am I clear? If you hear a voice from inside your head say, continue, then you can carry on to section B. If you do not hear anything, you must wait. You can look over to the section. You can look over to the section at this time, but I recommend keeping your eyes down. Trust me. There will be no physical harm to you if you look, but I can't promise you will be emotionally intact after looking. Rule number 6. Once you get the go ahead, continue to section B. You may walk around, but do and do what you normally do every night there. The only catch is you must stay in this section until 10 o'clock. It must be 3.30, I mean, sorry, 9.30 to 9.45 by now, so you won't have to stay long. After the time crosses 10, continue on. Rule number seven, after walking out of section B, you will notice a strange temperature change, the lighting and the lighting change. The temperature will have jumped to about 2 a.m. after crossing. Do not panic, and please do not answer your phone. Your phone will be ringing consistently. As soon as it starts ringing, you will stand still and not move until it stops. It could be a call from your mother, father, sibling, girlfriend, boyfriend, anyone you can think of. You must not answer these calls. It is not actually them calling. It is, in fact, the man that you saw earlier, the one with no facial features. He is trying to lure you back to the office. You must stay away from that office until I tell you to go back. Your phone will stop ringing after about half an hour, which leaves you at around 2.30 a.m. You can continue at this point. Rule number eight. You will notice another time jump, this one to this one to more hours from 2.30 to 4.30. From the time, stay, if the time still says 2.30, after the call stops, you are in trouble. Unfortunately, there is nothing you can do here. You messed up a step at some point if you end up here. You can finally finish your inspection of section C. You must be prepared for a woman covered in blood to run up to you begging for help. She will be asking you where her baby is and if you can come to help her fast. Do not be startled. Do not matter. uh, No matter how loud the yelling is. Tell her you will meet her outside the cemetery in uh, 10 minutes for her to wait there. 
She will run off in the opposite direction, and that's how you know you succeeded. There will be a lot of towels and rags all over the ground covered in blood of Section C. This is the only maintenance you will have to do. Just pick them up and dispose of them in the waste bin closest to you. Uh, rule number nine. After completing the final task, you must run back to your office. Do not look anywhere but ahead of you. You will see figures everywhere. You will hear your name being called from voices that you think you recognize. Just keep running. Once you reach the office, you will see the faceless man leaving the office building. It should be about 5 a.m. at this point. He will stop you and say either good work and nod at you and will slowly walk into the office and close the door for the remainder of the shift. Or you, uh, And you can check the cameras. Sit down and go to your shift. Uh, go on with your shift until I come inside to start my shift. Or if he says, come with me, if he says, come with me, you will run and lock yourself in the office. Do not fall for his calm, monotone voice. Mono, monotone. He is anything but calm if you mess up. Do not let him in and wait for him to stop banging on the door. Once this stops, cover your eyes for the last hour of your shift. Don't look around until you hear three knocks on the door. This will be me to relieve you of your shift. You won't be called in for a few weeks to come uh, to come to terms of what you've seen, and you will be paid handsome, handsomely for the amount of money of your duties. Now that you've listened to the rules, I hope you can understand my initial uh, suspicion and why I am so baffled. I thought to the uh, I thought this was a joke until I finished my shift. After I arrived at 8:30, my boss left and decided I was going to just follow the rules given to me to humble him and be a good sport of the prank i didn't check the cameras i headed out the door going after going outside the brisk fall air hit me i saw a tall man walking up to me i looked at him he was actually faceless it looked so real and kind of gave me the creeps i almost forgot to tell him good evening he looked at me well, I think he did, and continued to go on through the door. I shivered a little as I headed straight to Section A. I arrived at the entrance and searched for James R. Hankley's grave, and always uh, a grave I had always saw, as it was the biggest one. To my disbelief, it was actually being dug up. I felt sick to my stomach that they would go this far to scare me, so I hurried past the grave as a wave of uneasy came over me this can't be real i reassured myself as i headed across the bridge to section b i scanned the oak tree and i finally found it i noticed the figures my boss had warned me about i instantly spotted the one with the top hat and steadily scurried over to him and asked am i clear no answer as i stood there waiting for an answer that never came back I decided to look away from the man and peek over to Section B be, uh, because surely the pranksters wanted me to look since they had warned me against it. I froze and I had felt pins and needles in my hands as I saw uh, at least what looked to me except I was taller and covered in blood. 
as the figure that had presumed uh, was as the figure that presumably was me stared back and let out a screech and started running towards me I, I was startled and uh, absolutely mortified by this and turned around to run I looked back and it had reached its arms out it completely vanished as soon as it uh, cheese and crackers I do apologize <laughs> It completely vanished. As soon as it vanished, I heard a voice from within my head say, continue. At this point, I had a million thoughts running through my head as I had started to realize whatever was happening was somehow impossibly real. And I felt my mind switch from confused to defensive. I inspected the area until 10 p.m., consistently looking over my shoulders. I checked my phone and saw it was time to move to section 3. I felt exactly what I was told a temperature change and saw the surroundings just get a little bit darker. It was it was noticeably colder. No way, I told myself as I had reached for my phone, which displayed 2 a.m. Before I could form another thought, my phone rang on cue and stopped dead in uh, stopped me dead in the tracks. Dad, the phone displayed. I stared at the phone as I had looked at those three letters. I never knew my dad, and definitely never had him saved in my phone. I felt a tear form in my eye because this was a very uh, sensitive topic for me. I let it ring as I got lost in a trance of thinking about how on earth any of this was even possible. The ringing finally stopped and I let out a sigh of relief. I remember the next rule about the time and opened my phone again, 230 I kept moving on with some straight uh, tears in my eyes, watching my phone turn from 2.30 to 4.30. This was a relief to me now that I knew this was somehow real. I realized that I have done all the steps right uh, to this so far. As I started inspecting Section 3 with cold fingers and numb toes, I heard screaming. Naturally, this scared the hell out of me, and I jumped out of my shoes. I snapped my head around to a blood-covered woman screaming, My baby! I can't find my baby! <laughs> I told her after a bit of hesitation, I told her to meet me at the entrance of the graveyard in ten minutes. She nodded, ran off, and I noticed a ton of uh, blood-covered rags all over the ground. Shaken by her screams, I slowly picked up the rags and threw them out. I looked around and ran back to the office. The whole run, I didn't see anyone, didn't hear anything, which was weird because my boss said otherwise. I'd count my blessings here, though, and find myself in front of the office finally. The man was leaving. This time I looked at him in complete terror as he turned my way and said, Come with me. I wasted no time running past him into the office and slamming the door behind me. What did I mess up? I yelled over the loud of banging on the door as I pulled my jacket over my head. I shivered in fear for the entire hour until I heard three knocks on the door. I shot up, threw the door open to reveal my boss, uh, and yelled, What the hell did you just put me through? I was mad, although relieved to see him who looked a little more colorful and lifelike than he has in the past. He looked at me and smiled.
Go home, kid. Get some sleep. I yelled back, No, I want answers. You can't just tell me to go after the night I just had. He looked at me and said, You took care of the graveyard, kid, and I thank you for that. He held out his hand for a handshake. The name, James Randall Hankley, and I have been dead for 200 years. Every Halloween I leave the graveyard and recharge so my physical body does not perish. You covered me one night, and I thank you for that. It didn't take me long to realize his name was the same on the gravestone that was dug up. I stared back at him, mouth wide open, speechless. I walked out of that door, packed up my house, and never came back to that town again. That'd be fucking... Mm. That's not... I never... I never go to a graveyard at night. I was I've done say, it a couple of times, but... Oof. I feel like we just got an entire movie narrated to us. That was actually a like... pretty good one. I, I liked, I liked it. it. No, that that um, is a good story, but this is a lengthy one. That's what she said. Yeah, it was. It was pretty uh, lengthy. So, um, I got, I got one here. Um, I'm not going to read the entire thing because it says read time is 41 minutes, and I don't oh, want Lord. to do that. Yeah, um, the one I did. So but it does have. It does have. Minutes. Yeah, that was 12. Um, well, that's cause, probably because of me reading. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's fine. Um, oh, this fine. one, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and read this one. I'm not going to tell you the name of it until after it's over. You guys will probably be able to guess, guess it. Um, like I said, it's a long one, but I'm just gonna read this uh, very first excerpt from it, and then go. F- and yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead and start. Okay. If only you hadn't looked back. Though it was autumn, the day had seemed long, and the brief walk toward home short. As sunlight began to fade, you and your two friends left the playground behind and trudged reluctantly home, knowing that you would be forced to pick up the games and conversations the next day. But the next day never came. If only you, if only you hadn't looked back but you had. Turning for just a moment, you had glanced toward the tree line, seen fingers of the branches clawing upward towards the sky beside them, the figure. At first, you thought you must be mistaken, that your eyes in the hazy blur of twilight were playing tricks on you, but no. When you looked again, he was still there, taller than any man could be, thinner even than the willowy branches that extended ever upward from the trees. He loomed in the distance like the shadow of some horrible, dark truth. You knew instantly that you had to look away, that if you didn't tear your eyes from the blank, featureless face, then soon the blank would wash (laughs) over you. Sorry. (laughs) Become you, and you would walk slowly but surely as if pulled by some magnetic force toward him. Toward him, though you feared him. Though you were scared of the unnatural height, the aching, blank witness of his face, the arms that seemed to stretch toward you, and the slithering tentacles behind. You turned, screwing up your eyes, telling 
willing yourself not to look, not to see, not to give in, not to go to him. You scream to the others, telling them the same, telling them not to look. But as you open your eyes, you realize they had already looked and they were gone. Tomorrow would never come. <laughs> I'm sorry. Casey was making, I'm sorry. He's like doing the whole thing, like ripping the eyes out and shit. It was making me laugh. <laughs> That's fine. I'm just going to start uh, acting out these uh, stories. Uh, that was so hilarious. If it wasn't obvious, you you guys know who that what that was about, right? Um, I, Slenderman? Apparently yeah, it was, the Slender, it was the Slenderman. Uh, okay. Oh man! Like I said, it was it was a just tall, like a an, yeah. it was an it was an excerpt. Like I said, this this entire story is long. Um, at the end of this excerpt, it says probably the most famous creepy character or creepypasta character of all time, and certainly the one that's crossed most frequently into mainstream media. The Slenderman, also known as Slenderman, is a character born of a variety of earlier influences, but which itself represents an evolution in the uses and development of folklore. I was gonna say, I'm, I thought that Slenderman originally came from like a medieval folk folklore of uh, a spirit that would kidnap kids. You know, I thought so too, but this whole this whole thing is all about. I guess it's evolved, and now he wears a suit and a tie. Yeah, like Slenderman historical references, Brazilian cave paintings, Egyptian hieroglyphics, German woodcuts, Romanian mythology, and English mythology. Like, there's Slenderman has like a huge thing in it. He's got a long history. Well, that's it. It's not Halloween yet. We have to do another episode, except I'm going to get extremely hammered and get in front of my webcam, and I'm going to reenact the entire thing as you tell the stories impromptu. (laughs) I'm down. Uh, I'm down for another one. I don't know if we'll have time between now and then to do another episode for Halloween, but uh, Casey, you have the floor. All right. Entertain us. Oh, shoot. No, I'm put on the spot. Okay, um, here's one, especially if you have pets, here's one. A woman comes home from work. She goes into her apartment, you know, the nightly thing, just what you do. Your, your, your nightly routine before you go to bed. Woo, put on the spot, okay. Here we go. <laughs> so she does that. She has a dog, right? This is... So this actually is a creepypasta, but I'm just reciting it from memory. Uh, right. So she lays in bed and does her thing. Um, she doesn't like dogs on the bed for some reason. So dog usually the dog usually lays next to the bed. She goes to sleep. She wakes up because she thinks she hears something. Looks down and sees her puppy. Goes back over, goes to sleep. Wakes up again because she feels like she hears something else, right? Half asleep, puts her hand down on the side of the bed and starts to pet her dog. Dog starts to lick her fingers, you know, give kisses, all that stuff. Everything's fine. She goes back to sleep and she starts hearing a faucet drip. Ooh. And you know how people who have, um, is it, um, when you can't stand the sound of something, what's that called? I I know I know oh. the word for it. 
Misophonia. I think it's misophonia. If if you like, it's like nails on a chalkboard. You hear something and you can't stand it. Yeah, it's misophonia. That's right. Yeah, okay. misophonia. So she starts to hear a her faucet drip in her bathroom. Well, assuming by how the story is told, I I guess it was close. So she started to hear the faucet drip. She started to hear the faucet drip. She started to hear the faucet drip. So she finally gets frustrated. She gets up and she goes into the bathroom and the whole bathroom is painted with blood and her dog has been cut in half and bloodlet into a bucket. Oh. And it's written on the walls and it said humans can lick too. Oh. Um, Alrighty then. Holy oh, shit. Oh, a little shit. shorter, but... That's a... Uh, I'd be burning the <laughs> house down. Like... Guys, I'm gonna walk into my bathroom later, and it's gonna be on the wall. <laughs> and I have, and humans, I have no pets. Humans so. can lick too. I do have another really quick one, if I may. Yeah, you yeah, go. go for it. And this is, um, this is another one that was on Creepypasta. It's called Portraits. So there's a dude riding horseback out in the mountains. He is, well, riding horseback, trying to get to his destination. It's becoming evening time. It is winter. And, um, well, it's evening time. It's going to be nighttime here real soon. So he's trying to find a place to settle down with him and his horse because he's going to freeze to death out there at night. So long story short, he comes out to, um, he finds a farm that doesn't really look like there's anybody there. He doesn't want to intrude, doesn't want to be rude, ties up his horse, takes his lantern, holds it up, goes up to the door of the cabin, no lights on, Knocks. Nothing. Knocks again. Nothing. Yells. Hey, I just need a place to stay. Alright. It's getting cold enough, and it's snowing so hard that it's becoming difficult to see outside. He establishes that the place has been abandoned. So he takes his horse in as well, because he doesn't want his horse to freeze to death. Looks around, looks all over the cabin. Nobody's there. It's completely abandoned. So he lights a fire because there's a fireplace there and miraculously there's wood. So, well, hey, spoiler alert, somebody's there. Rolls out his sleeping bag. Everything seems fine, eventually goes to sleep. Well, he wakes up in the middle of the night, sits up half asleep, and then starts to realize there's pictures all over the living room of this cabin. He gets up and takes his lantern kind of delirious and he starts looking at each one of these pictures and they're all faces but they're not just normal faces they're grimacing faces something looks seriously wrong with them he gets really unnerved and he's like nope forget this i'm gonna lay back down sits by his lantern goes back to sleep he wakes up in the morning his lantern has died out his horse is alive not frozen to death there's still nobody around nobody in the cabin and once he comes to and sits up and starts to look around that he wasn't seeing pictures in the room there weren't there weren't any pictures anywhere in the room there were lots of windows though mm -hmm. yeah no nope <laughs> i don't know how to feel about that mm. yeah so, nope there were only windows. There was only windows. Ugh. Right, and uh, 
Uh, since it is the episode it is, the only reason why I even heard about creepypasta.com is when I was in basic training, there was something called, um, <laughs> I can't remember what the hell it was called, but they'll wake you up in the middle of the night and they'll, uh, they won't give you a, a gun with live rounds, obviously, like they'll, they'd give you an empty one. It was called, uh, entry, con entry control duty or EC duty. And for two hours a night, two people had to guard it. And uh, there was this one dude I met named Juwan Kenzie. I think he's in Alaska now. And we went back and forth, like, telling creepypasta stuff to each other. But he was the one who actually told me what creepypasta was. Hmm. And so it was huh. probably the most enjoyable or enjoyable EC duty I've ever had. Because he had some really good stories. And that last <laughs> one I just told, he told it way better than I, than I could tell it. But that was one of them. Damn. Was like, awesome. Like he was really into horror. I like it too. I like getting chills. Um, so I think we have time for Trevor to tell another short one, me to tell another short one, and then Casey can end it off with. Oh man! A creepy pasta he had made. How about if I could propose? How about something that you've experienced personally? Yeah, I was going to say. I, I don't think I'm going to do another creepypasta. I'm going to go on an experience that I had. Because you're okay. always going to tell that better than something that you're just, you know, reading impromptu, unless you're... Okay. Yeah, I've already told you guys, but our audio on that one podcast got messed up. But I'm going to tell it again. Um, so back when I was younger, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed watching Ghost Adventures. And I watched every single episode... Um, because it, it was interesting to me, like to see what was going on and things like that. And obviously some of it may be staged. I don't know, but it was an interesting show. I enjoyed it. Well, my mom had always told me that I needed to stop watching it because something would end up coming through, like a spirit would come end up coming through and I'm like, Oh no, no, it'll be fine. I'll be fine. It's okay. Um, and what had happened to me is one night I was sitting there watching Ghost Adventures. It was a, I can't remember the episode. It was really, really scary. And all of a sudden, my TV went to white noise with the, the static on the TV and everything. And like, I had direct TV. That's not something that happens with a TV provider. But my TV went right. to white noise and just would not stop no matter what button I pushed um, until I unplugged it and ever since that time ever since that happened I'm like nope nope I am never watching Ghost Adventures again because that scared the absolute shit out of me I was gonna yeah. say The Ring wasn't that scary of a movie but if that were to happen to me in real life yeah that, that that's a little different yeah I was I think 15 16 years old when it happened and like i've never really been a, been scared of things but like literally in the middle of ghost adventures and it was a very scary spot for it to go white noise and like they were messing with some really fucking i think it might have been the episode um with the plague doctors where they had like the masks and everything and like there was all the dead bodies uh because of the plague and all that 
and they put him out on an island because there was nothing they could do and they just they would die and then put him out on an island and it was in the middle of that episode and my screen just went just turned to white noise and I'm like what in the fuck like it oof, still to this day I'm like I can't I can't mm, no scared the fuck out of me hmm so I don't have any I already told the one that wasn't even didn't even relate to me the one about the Ouija board I don't I, I haven't had any scary or things I couldn't explain happened to me um but if you guys don't mind I'll read another story and then we'll give it to Casey to end it out yeah I still right. have stuff I haven't shared. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have. We'll let, you? Uh, if you want to go ahead, Casey. If you I want to go ahead and share some, Casey, then. Well, uh, we'll let you share something, and then. You sure? Um, I'll tell my story, and then you'll end it off with a creepy pasta of your own. All right, I'll try to make it quick. So, this happened when I was 14 years old. I remember that to a T. I'm 31 now, about to be 32. Um, Alright, so the anatomy in my hometown really quick to understand how this went down. I had a really good friend who lived on one side of the train tracks and then I lived on the other side of the train tracks. So uh, usually, like, he'd come over, we'd game, we'd walk each other like halfway home, blah, 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 whatever. Um, I went to walk him halfway home run or one night. Parents said, yeah, it's time for bed. You know, I'm 14 years old, whatever. So... <laughs> I say, see you later, man, and I go to walk home. Now, walking home, um, there was a park that I had to go across. Or I didn't have to go across it. It was on the corner of a street. Picture a park on the corner of a street with a street lamp on said corner with a huge freaking pine tree right there. I decided, well, um, and this isn't my only story of seeing something in this park at night. Instead of going all the way around the corner, taking that 90 degree angle, I decided to go through the park. So I went through the park, and of course things like this would only happen when you have nobody else around, and it's just you. But as I was walking across the park, underneath the street lamp, I thought I saw a person walking. Like, literally just like walking up the sidewalk. And so I turned and looked... And it was there for a second, it was there for a second, it was there, and then it was gone. I got a good look at it. It wasn't like just seeing something out of the corner of your eye, and it was not there anymore. I looked at it, looked at it, yeah. looked at it, it was gone, and it honestly just looked like a shadow standing up. And I have never ran to my house as a kid so fast in my life. I would have done the same. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I do have, I do have another one. I actually have two more about that same park. Maybe I should have told them earlier, but for the sake of the length of the podcast, maybe I'll save them. Okay, um, I'll tell this really short one. It's five minutes long, and then we'll end it off with Casey. So the start of this one says, uh, "This was called the cat scratching at my door," and it's by Weatherford and Sky. They found him screaming in pain, covering his hollowed out eyes. The police also found a knife beside him that he had taken from our kitchen. My brother and I were standing out in the cold when I saw the faint green glow of my cat's eyes in the bedroom window. 
that was the last time I ever saw my family cat. All right. So it says, I never thought a childless prank would save me and my brother's life. It began in late September. My family cat had passed away from old age a few weeks prior. I missed her terribly and assumed that the strange things that began to happen were just echoes of my grief. When she was still alive, she used to scratch at my door until I let her into my room. And she used to crawl. She used the crawl space as her own little home, sometimes hiding away from for most of the day until pushing the door open in the middle of the night. I had gotten so used to it that I was no longer startled by the tapping of little paws upstairs and the sound of the little door creeping open. So used to it, in fact, that when the same things happened after her death, it took me a while to notice. When, it fi when I did finally notice, the sound gave me a strange feeling of unease but familiarity. I told myself that it was just the creaking of an old house, but a part of me wanted to believe she was still here in some capacity. One night in October, I was awoken by a scratching at my door and a faint, faint meow. meow. It lasted only a few seconds, but I'd heard it clearly. I thought it was a dream. Meow. It had to have been a dream. <laughs> After all, she was gone, but then it kept happening every night. At 1.50 a.m., I would hear her hear scratching at my door and the cries of a cat who was long gone. I told no one of it because even though it frightened me, I didn't want to lose what I had left of my dear cat. The scratching stayed the same night until October 21st when it became harder to ignore. Everything was normal that night. My parents had gone for the night and my brother was sleeping downstairs. I watched YouTube until I fell asleep and the glow of my laptop was still on my face when I heard the scratching. I wasn't even scared. It felt like any other night until it didn't stop. The scratching only got more frantic and the crying grew in volume with each swipe of the claw. I had never heard my cat act like that even when she was alive. I quickly sat up on my bed, checked the time. 1.46 a.m. Why had time gone back? The scratching got even worse. It sounded like she could tear through the door at any moment. I got up from my bed and slowly cracked open the door. My heart was racing. I had no idea what I would see behind the door, but I had to open it. I opened the door, only a crack, and suddenly it pushed open. However, there was nothing behind the door. I felt a strange presence, like something had came into my room. I didn't know what else to do but go back to bed and try and fall asleep. The next few nights were just the same. The scratching was almost deafening until I opened the door and let no one inside. It was creepy, but comforting. Every time I opened the door, it was like my cat came to visit me from beyond the grave. The last night I felt her presence was a night I will never forget. To this day, that it was the most horrifying night of my life. It was Halloween night. I had just come home from an early party, or come home early from a party so I could stay with my brother for a night as my parents were out of town. We watched and made fun of some god-awful Halloween movies from our childhood until midnight. I thought it would be funny to scare him without scratching or scare him with the scratching and meowing so I told him to sleep in my room that night. I never thought this childish prank would save my brother's and I's life. I got into my bed and he had got in the sleeping bag beside me. He fell almost he fell asleep almost immediately. Well, I could barely keep still from the anticipation of this prank. Suddenly my window flooded with light. I assumed it was my parents coming back from their trip early. But something felt off. The clock struck 150. Instead of scratching or meowing, 
the little door to the crawl space flung open. A dark figure rushed out and jumped right at me. I let out a scream, waking my brother beside me. The dark figure went through my chest and disappeared behind me. I, I, I was left hyperventilating and holding my hand to my chest. This wasn't a visit. This was a warning. I heard what sounded like someone trying to get inside the house without hesitation. I grabbed my brother and told him to get into the crawl space. He was groggy and disorientated, but did what I said. I followed behind him and moved the chair in front of the little door before closing it. I told him to be completely silent. We heard a big crash and then footsteps, footsteps down the stairs. Someone had broken through the window. I heard the stranger open all the doors and push things over. I felt my face go white as I heard stranger, heard the stranger start coming up the stairs. I held my hand over my brother's mouth and began to pray in my head. The stranger was at the door. My heart was pounding. He flung open the door and entered the room. I could hear him flip my bed over, knock over my nightstand. I thought we were going to die. My brother was silently texting the police while all I could do was stare at the door, knowing it would open at any second. The stranger pushed over the chair in front of the crawl space. The only thing left between me and the intruder was a little crawl space door. My brother and I grabbed the handle and held it shut. Then I heard a hiss and a growl of a cat. It felt like it was right behind us. Finally, the intruder tried to open the door. We held it shut for as long as we could until the stranger flung it open with one great pull. Before I could get a good look at him, the dark figure leaped out from behind us and pounced on his face. It happened so quickly. You could only see flicks of blood flying around. He fell to the ground crying and holding his now mangled face. The dark figure ran into the shadows and my brother and I ran out the door and down the stairs. We screamed for help out in the cold until the neighbors came outside to see what was wrong. The police arrived a short time after. It turns out the stranger was a drug addict, drug addict, drug addicted ex-convict who was breaking into people's homes around the area looking for cash. I looked up at my bedroom window, saw the faint green glow of my cat's eyes in my bedroom window, and that was the last time I ever saw my family cat. You know, I think the moral of that story is that a lot of the time, maybe it's not actually the paranormal, whether you yeah. believe in that or not. It's right. humans, like humans are the monsters. Not yep. all spirits are out to get you. Yeah, exactly. All right, we have time for one more short little thing, and the floor will go to Casey here. He has his very own creepy pasta to share. Oh my lord, here we go. So, <laughs> here like we I can go. <laughs> like how we said, it's not necessarily, uh, not necessarily paranormal things, but probably humans more often than not. For example, in that last story, when you yelled "Get in the crawl space," I thought of John Wayne Gacy, and I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I did, I'm like, get out of the crawl space I'm like, wait a second, are these stories intertwined? Uh, I don't know <laughs> So what this was is well a couple things, first of all it's very uncommon to be out in the forest looking for pages how often do you find yourself doing that? you're out in the forest camping second yep. of all all the time, fire starter yeah, so, I mean, you might be looking for kindling or something like that, but you're probably not going to be looking for pages, I don't know. Second of all, 
you're not very likely to find a turkey out in the forest if you do find yourself in that situation. So if you do find a turkey out in the forest who happens to go at you, I would encourage that you run away as fast as you possibly can. And this is the story of Uncle Bob the Ball Snatcher. <laughs> do you remember those urban legends? That you heard, like, well, I think one was referenced earlier about, like, someone going on a date. Always a guy. It's always a guy. Gets roofied. You ever seen the movie Hostel? Okay. Um, they wake up in a bathtub full of ice and have their kidney missing. Well, picture that, but you have your testicles missing. (laughs) (laughs) My nuts! This this isn't intended to be scary. So I was driving to Minneapolis, Minnesota from Minot, North Dakota, where I was stationed um, for a 4th of July party. And to, to keep us awake, because we were driving all night, we decided to make the drive at like 9 p.m. Totally sober. We don't drink and drive. Disclaimer. Yeah, don't drink and drive. We started telling each other creepypastas, like Slenderman came up, the whole kidney missing in a in a bathtub yeah. full of ice came up, all that, and we were tired, delirious, we made our own creepypasta, and we called it Uncle Bob the Ball Snatcher. I have no idea where the fuck turkeys came in here, it just sounded great, so... <laughs> so here's what happens if you encounter Uncle Bob the Ball Snatcher, and please, somebody, whoever is listening... Um, any game developers you have my permission please use this just you know maybe throw me a $20 bill buy me a case of beer something I will be satisfied and I will laugh my ass off I guarantee it so uh, you're out in the woods but instead of like you know Slenderman popping up or you know trying to find pages you're trying to find something in the woods I don't care maybe you're going out trying to find kidling and you hear a turkey go just one turkey you're like, oh, it's a turkey. What the fuck is a turkey doing out here, bro? Bro, hey, bro, bro, this motherfucker. Look at this mother. Look at him. Look at him. He's right there. He's right there. And he goes, like, well, yeah. Let's keep looking for some kindling, bro. Let's look for some. All oh, the kindling is gone, man. Wait, I found a piece right here. Now there's three turkeys. Like, bro, there's like three turkeys. Wait, that one turkey don't look too happy, bro. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Yeah, I know we should have bought firewood, but... All right, let's just keep looking. Let's keep looking. Let's try to find some kindling around here somewhere. You found like five, six pieces of kindling. And now there's like ten of those motherfuckers. And they look at you like... There's just a gaggle of turkeys. A gaggle of them at this point. And now only about like half of them look happy. Maybe a little bit over half of them look unhappy. And they're looking right at you and your friend. And they want to gobble those balls. Tell you. (laughs) So anyway, by the time that you're about to find enough kindling to actually go back to the campsite, you're getting overrun. You're getting overrun. This is the Normandy of turkeys, but it will never go down in history because no one will ever know. <laughs> and no one will remember. The so next scene, you're overcome by turkeys. Nobody knows what Bob the, or Bob the Ball Snatcher looks like. You're overcome by turkeys. He will come out of his hole. You will be drugged into his hole, and he will remove your testicles, and you'll wake up in a bathtub full of eyes with your nuts missing. 
So, <laughs> a moral of this story is if you're out camping and you hear Pack up, leave, get out. Get the yeah, fuck out go. of town. Get just the hell go. out of Dodge. <laughs> Those aren't normal turkeys, man. They're coming yep. for your balls. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to gobble your balls and not in the way that you might like. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Anyways, that was it. So, I hope you enjoyed our um, Halloween spectacular, our and Halloween special. Is, and this is the only time where getting your balls gobbled is um, not the you know climax because I felt like it could have done way better there. Give yeah. your balls a tug. Not a gobbling Give balls. Give your balls I mean, a tug. An ending story. No, I'm just gonna shut up. Anyway, so that's Uncle Bob the Ball Snatcher. <laughs> So, I hope you guys it. enjoyed uh, this uh, Halloween special episode here. Um, we had some cool stories. And yes. topped it off with Uncle Bob the Ball Snatcher. So, guys, Halloween's coming up. This will be released before Halloween. Um, please, if you're going to have parties or anything, please, you know, be safe. Be responsible. You know, there's those ragers you go to. If you partake in alcohol, please do not drink and drive. Especially because there will be kids out all and times. If any, of exactly. And if any one of those shitlands is dressed up as a turkey, that's not Run. funny. <laughs> that's not a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. They're trying yeah. to trick you, man. They're trying to trick you. They're after your balls. <laughs> they are not treating you. <laughs> they are not treating you. They're coming for them nuts. <laughs> all right, guys. Enjoy your Halloween. Be safe out there. Don't. Let Uncle Bob and his turkeys get you. Hugs, not drugs. Thanks for having me on the show, Zach. Yeah, of course, buddy. You're always welcome. All right, guys. Uh, Be uh, on the lookout for our next episode. It will be released November-ish, and we will get it. All right, guys. Without further ado, see you next episode. Love you. Bye. (laughs) 